Hello everyone, JP here. I hope this note finds you well. Summer is here and we will be taking a break. I will be focusing my time on researching and writing the book all about the last 8%. Um, We don't know the title. Roughly though, it will be looking at what does it mean to grow the skills to be better in the last 8%, to use those opportunities to transform ourselves, also transform our teams. What does it mean to build a last 8% culture? What does that mean exactly? In the meantime, we have chosen some favorite episodes from past seasons for your listening enjoyment. And because we want you to keep moving and listening. Why? Well, we know that mood follows movement. And so we have over 145 different episodes. Go back, listen to various ones, listen to them again. It's great for the repetition because there's a lot of good content there, but more so it's about building these habits. Uh, If you're interested in finding out what your predictable default behavior is, that is, what do you do? What's your pattern when you face a last 8%? Go to the show notes. You can take our quiz. Um, But most of all, you know, feel free to join our Facebook group and share everything with other folks. But most of all, have a wonderful summer and we will see you back real soon. Thanks so much. Welcome to the last 8% morning. This is JP Palu Fry. It is so great to be with you today. In today's episode, you are facing the holiday season and you will be spending time with family and friends and you know that there is a chance a high probability in fact that you could become triggered and emotional and more negative than you would like to be what to do in today's episode we talk about why our brain is programmed to amplify the negative and what we can do about it excited to be here i certainly am let's walk Out walking, enjoying this gorgeous day, moving as we are able. Letting go of whatever we were thinking about, whatever we were planning. And just taking this time to anchor into the present moment. Not worrying about the past, ruminating about the future. Not stuck in social comparison. But just be present in the moment. And as you know, we do that by feeling physical sensations, feeling our feet on the ground. So just start by feeling the contact of your feet on the ground. Feeling our 
feet and ankles and whatever physical sensations are present there. Now moving into our legs, feel our legs as we move. The lower legs, the upper legs, and again, just really anchor into whatever is present. Wonderful. And you can also feel your belly now. Feel it rising and falling. Feel the belly rise and fall. And it can be subtle, especially when we're walking. But now feel your hands and arms. And whatever sensations are present as they move through the air as we walk. Now feel your head and neck. And now feel the top of your head. And relaxing back and just feeling the whole moment. See the changing flow of sensation and sound and thought. And just softening the hands, relaxing the heart, and just feeling grateful to be alive, standing tall, look around, and feel grateful. How fortunate are we to have these bodies that work however they work, these minds that can process sound and reflect and be mindful. Think of all the people in our lives who support us to do all the different things in our lives, including practicing with this podcast. It's amazing. And now moving to our idea of the day. We are facing the holiday season and we will be spending time with family and some of us more and some of us less based on many issues including COVID and we want to do well we want to enjoy the holiday season but we know there's a chance a high probability in fact that we could become more negative than we would like to be triggered emotional maybe judgmental Why? Well, there is a lot of stress and pressure when it comes to the holidays and spending time with others who we don't ordinarily spend time with. You know, who does what when it comes to organizing food and cleaning up? And all of this can lead to conflict. And while all of this is going on, our brain is hard at work doing its thing. And unfortunately, part of its thing is amplifying the negative. Why? Because it has an, a negativity bias, which refers to our default movement towards attending to, learning from, 
negative information in our environment, far more than positive information or stimuli. It's why we focus on and remember insults more than compliments. It's why we react more to insults and unpleasant events. It's why we ruminate on these insults and unpleasant events more than pleasant ones. So we focus on it, we react more to it, and we remember it or we ruminate more about it after the fact. And if you're a long-time listener, you know why we do this. Because it's adaptive. Our ancestors used it for survival. These negative stimuli played a useful role in survival. After all, a positive situation or stimuli wasn't an immediate threat. Whereas a negative one could be the difference. If we're attuned to a negative stimuli, it might mean the difference between a physical threat that becomes real and injures us or not. And so we adapted to it. And that's a beautiful thing. But we no longer live with the physical threat. I mean, most of us don't. Some of us do, unfortunately. But today it's less about a threat to our physical survival and more of a threat to our status, which comes in the form of respect or lack of respect. But either way, there's a lot at stake if we're not able to manage this, this movement towards the negative. And it's not because you are more negative than the average person. No, this is the way our brain has developed. But there's a lot at stake if we're not aware of this and we don't do something to manage it. Because focusing on the negative, being stuck in our head about the past insults and unpleasant stimuli, it comes with consequences, right? We can miss important moments in our life because we're so full, stuck in our head. We can feel less joy. It can cause us to avoid some of the more difficult situations we face because of the different pathways that get turned on. And we talked about this last episode. We have a pathway that leads to more approach. That is a brain pathway or circuitry that increases the probability that we will move towards novel people, places, things. It's known as a pro-social pathway. Promotes behavior that allows us to be more effective in our interactions with other people. Hence the idea of pro-social. And this pathway located in our medial prefrontal cortex and other parts of our brain, the ACC, anterior cingulate cortex, when this pathway is turned on, when it's lit up, it means the neurons in this region fire more. It means we move towards as opposed to move away. Brings us closer to the details of that experience. We approach those challenging conversations or decisions or tasks. It also leads to two really important outcomes, increased motivation and increased happiness and well-being. So that's when that pathway's turned on. That's a great thing. But we also have the second parallel pathway. This is the avoid pathway. And when it's turned on, we become more defensive in our behaviors. And our challenge is that our brain, in trying to keep us safe, trying to protect us, amplifies the second pathway, this more negative pathway. 
And so we have to go out of our way to stimulate the first pathway, the approach, pro-social pathway. So how can we do that? Well, I mean, we've been doing it in this podcast by practicing mindfulness on a regular basis. And that can be walking with this podcast and doing this practice, doing sitting mindfulness. And by the way, I know it can feel at times like nothing's really happening when we practice mindfulness. I've felt that so many times in my life. But there's actually a lot going on beneath the surface. We know that mindfulness turns on this approach, pro-social pathway, turns off this avoid pathway. We know it changes our brain. Sarah Lazar's work at Harvard has found literally neuroarchitects, our prefrontal cortex grows, physically grows that brain by doing this repetitively over and over. So there's lots going on. We just can't see it. That's number one. We practice mindfulness. Number two, we practice gratitude. We talked about that in the gratitude series, the science of gratitude. And we know that just doing 60 seconds of gratitude, again, shifts the circuitry. So when we can think of somebody who we have helped, and if you go back to that episode, you'll you'll get more of the details. But when we can think of someone who faced a challenge, who we helped, and because we helped them, they feel some strong emotions towards us, because of that, we feel appreciated. We feel gratitude. It's receiving gratitude as opposed to feeling it for something or someone else. And we know that that has a huge impact on our brain. So that's number two. Number one, mindfulness. Number two, gratitude. Number three, we know that reflecting on our our vision for our life, that is, what do we want out of our life? What are our goals? What are our values? What are our deepest aspirations? When we can do that, again, it turns on this different pathway, puts us more in approach, in more curiosity. Number four, we know that we, we feel self-compassion, that tenderness practice. Again, we've talked about in this pathway, and, and we really go into this in the last 8% Academy that we have the same effect. And just, you know, just to remind you, right, the tenderness practice is bringing to mind ourselves and wishing us to be safe and well and happy, either out loud or to ourselves. And then we can continue this practice by feeling it towards others around us, maybe a more neutral person in our lives or a difficult person. But the more we do this, we know, again, it really affects the brain for much longer than our actual practice of it, which is kind of the amazing part. And the good news is that these are all things that we can control. These are all things that we can control. And in fact, we need to do this because of the way our brain amplifies the negative, and is prone to try to protect us with this defensive avoidance pathway. It's not a bad thing. It's just the truth. But we know that just by knowing this goes a long way. So the good news is that by bringing all of this into our mind, by practicing as we've done all year, we become transformed. We become a different person. 
literally our brain changes. We're neuroarchitecting our brain, even though we can't see it. And we know that these changes are not state changes, they're trait changes. That is, they last far longer than doing the practice because they change our brain and they become more trait-like. This is who we become, literally. We become that person who does not get as upset at the little stuff or the seemingly little stuff that can ruin a holidays that, unfortunately, many people cannot. We can be that person who models for our kids and all the other people in our lives who we influence, being that, as we like to call it, calm person in the boat who can take the ups and downs. This is all within our grasps. And what I'm hoping with this podcast is that you see that every last 8% situation that you face at work, at home, over the holidays, is an opportunity to transform. We need these situations to test ourselves to get better at these situations and to transform. That's why we want to approach them. And again, the great news is that it's we're going to get lots of opportunity. So let's go to our three by three as we finish up. Three mindful breaths right down into the toes, calming this body. Breathing out, releasing tension. Now let's go to three things that we can feel gratitude for, or let's think of our gratitude story. Someone who we've helped, someone who's in distress and challenged, number one. Number two, we helped them. And number three, it really had an impact on them. They really felt some real gratitude towards us. Can we receive gratitude for a moment? Now, three things that you want to get done today. What do you want to get done today? What would make it a great day in terms of things you can get done? Maybe because we're getting into the holidays, it's just to exercise or to do some self-renewal work. Wonderful. I want to finish with a Pema Chodron quote. And we're going to be off for the next few weeks for the holidays. We're going to have a reissue of some of our most popular podcasts. So listen to them. Wait, you know, look for them, I guess I should say. And again, if you've not subscribed, please subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Please go to our Facebook group and join and join the community. Please share. If you know someone who's struggling over the holidays, take a picture of your phone, share this with them. Let's really help people during this challenging, what can be a challenging time. And let's remember that there's lots of people over the holidays who can feel isolated and alone. Let's maybe go out of our way to see how we can connect with them, if not physically, at least on with a phone call or a text. But I'm going to finish with a very long quote, by the way, by Pema Chodron. She said, The way to, to dissolve our resistance to life is to meet it face to face. When we feel resentment because the room is too hot, we could meet the heat and feel its fierceness and its heaviness. When we feel resentment because the room is too cold, we could meet the cold and feel its iciness and its bite. 
When we want to complain about the rain, we could feel its wetness instead. When we worry because the wind is shaking our windows, we could meet the wind and hear its sound. Cutting our expectations for a cure is a gift we can give ourselves. There is no cure for hot and cold. They will go on forever. After we have died, the ebb and flow of life will still continue, like the tides of the sea, like day and night. This is the nature of things. Being able to appreciate, being able to look closely, being able to open our minds, this is the core of our practice. Have a wonderful holiday and a wonderful day.